Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a voyage of commercial discovery. This episode is proudly brought to you by CSIRO, Australia's national science agency and innovation catalyst. Explore the commercialization of great ideas across deep tech and science. Immerse yourself in conversations with the ambitious minds shaping Australia's unique innovation landscape. Discover their insights into what's needed to bring these remarkable ideas to life. Hello everyone and welcome to this very special webinar, Fighting Fires from Space. My name is Corey McLeod. I'm the publisher of innovationals.com. We're hosting today's webinar from Gadigal Land, the Eora Nation, and we'd like to pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm really looking forward to a, a lively discussion today. But first, I'd like to introduce our panel. Anusha Ansari is the CEO of the XPRIZE, and we're delighted to have you in Australia. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Adam Gilmore, CEO of Gilmore Space Technologies from the Gold Coast Beaming In. Welcome, Adam. Thank you very much. And Rania Poulos, you're the project lead for Fire Shield at the Mindaroo Foundation. Great to be here. Welcome. Thank you, all of you. I thought I'd ask you to start with Anusha. You've had a long history with the XPRIZE. Can you tell us a bit about your relationship with the XPRIZE and a little bit about why this program right now and why it's so important? Absolutely. I've been fortunate enough to be part of XPRIZE from its beginning. And my family and I ended up sponsoring the first competition. And the reason I did that was because I was personally very interested in opening up access to space and being able to experience being in space myself. As an entrepreneur, as a tech entrepreneur, I saw the value of competition as a way to drive innovation and make sure that technologies that are risky, technologies where the normal sources of funding are not available to, can benefit from competitions and use this type of incentivized prizes to bring different types of approaches to solving big solutions, uh, big problems with solutions that perhaps would not develop otherwise. So my family and I were very excited and we became sponsors. And as sponsors, I became part of the board, served on the board until four years ago when I was asked to join as CEO of the corporation. And as CEO, I have seen how over the past many years, we've been able to develop amazing competitions and solve some of the biggest challenges where prior to XPRIZE, there was not a lot of advancement in finding solutions. So excited to have been there. Excited to see how we've scaled and how we have now been able to launch $300 million worth of prizes and see 26 competitions come to fruition, 10,000 teams from 140 countries compete. So um, we're hoping to see how we can bring all of that experience and the value of bringing competition to solve one of our biggest challenges that now it's a real global challenge. I spend a lot of time in Los Angeles where wildfires have been an issue for many years. And uh, now we've seen because of global warming, how wildfires have become a big global issue. So I'm hoping that with our wildfire competition, we can put an end to this big problem. Absolutely. And I think Australians can all relate very firsthand of exactly how big of an issue it is. Adam, I'm going to come to you. You're in the Gold Coast in Helensvale. I had the pleasure of coming up to your facility last week. Paint us the picture of what Gilmore Space Technologies is doing. And then maybe I might ask you about your relationship with the XPRIZE, which goes back a number of years as well. 
I might start there because I, I want to say to Anusia that I think the SpaceX Prize is what got me into the space industry, and I say that a lot, so well done for that and thanks. We're working on um, orbital vehicles that can take small satellites into space. We've got a number of uh, projects, and we also have a satellite team that's working on small satellites of about 100 kilograms. And we've actually got a mission already working on that has sensors on it that will also be able to be used to detect fires. So it's something close to our heart as well. We're going to see a little bit more about what Gilmore Space is doing with a video a bit later in the, in the program. But first, I wanted to come to Urania. Anusha, you've talked about the model of bringing together philanthropy and different stakeholders to solve problems that are really important and pressing. Can you tell us a little bit about Mindaroo and the Fire and Flood mission and you know, why it was so important for you to become involved and what's exciting about solving these problems? Definitely. And I think Anusha really touched on the fact that global warming is changing the way that we see conditions. They're becoming, because of the weather, it's drier, the ecosystems are drier and really increasing bushfire risk. The UN has actually reported on that risk and said that by 2030, we'll see 14% increased risk for bushfires. By 2030, 30% 30% increased risk and 2100 will be 50% increased risk. And that's enormous. I think, if anything, Black Summer Fires really told us that we need to change the way that we are fighting fires. We can't be relying on current methods and systems, which really is reliant on the public to report those fires and also deploying resources to detect through whether it's planes or ground vehicles from the fire agencies to detect those fires. These dangerous fires are probably happening in the more remote areas where there is no population to detect them. And this is really a game changer in in how fire agencies will be detecting. They've told us that. They've told us it's a game changer and it's greatly needed which is why we've really partnered with XPRIZE and very excited for the space-based detection and intelligence track, particularly because we know that this is possible. It's ambitious, but we are really excited to see what teams bring to this. Anusha, you've been to space. You have seen Earth. We're talking a little, a lot, a little about Earth observation. Yes. What's it like to observe from space? It must be incredible. Yeah, it's really life-changing when you have this rare opportunity to see our planet from space. All these things that you hear about how fragile our ecosystem is becomes live in front of your eyes and it becomes something that you understand on a deeper level. So I had this privilege of being able to see our planet and see how interconnected we all are and how not only to each other, but to our planet. And in the background, you see this darkness and nothing as beautiful or nothing even remotely like our planet exists around us. So this is the only home we have. And it becomes so apparent when you're in space and you understand how important it is for us to protect this only home we have in the universe at this moment. And uh, when you see from that point of view and you understand this importance, I think that's why I'm driven to do what I do at XPRIZE and do everything in my power to one, bring knowledge to the world about what I've observed and what I've experienced, but also why it's important for all of us to collaborate and work together. The problems we have today in our world are global problems. 
They cannot be solved by one nation or one person. It requires collaboration. So that's why it's important for us to do this. And the wildfire competition, you know, it's, it's one of those unique prizes where space and excitement of space and what I've seen from space really plays a big role for me because with observation from space or from ground-based technologies, we can actually not just, you know, put out the fire, we can prevent it. So this prize is about detecting a fire before it becomes a wildfire and make sure that we can use technologies, artificial intelligence to understand that is this a dangerous fire or is it a campfire and be able to put it out when it's easy to put it out, not when it becomes very difficult and life-threatening and destructive. I think that's um, the, the word resilience versus recovery is something I think we've been talking a lot about in recent years, like how do we mitigate things before we're literally talking exactly. about recovery. And I think the fires we had in 2020 really realized exactly how much damage could be done and how long it took to mobilize in a yes. way that was outdated. Before we move on, Adam, I just wanted to ask you, you're very plugged into the global space environment and have a very good understanding of how that space ecosystem is solving problems that really matter. What are you seeing right at the moment? We're talking about sort of fire and flood resilience, but are there other ways that we're seeing space solving problems that are really important to humanity at this time? Well, I mean, space can solve so many different problems, but fire and floods and water management is a really big one. And I just came back from a trip to North America and I met people uh, that are working on fire detection satellites in Canada. The Canadian Space Agency has a wildfire program and so this is getting a lot more focused in space as something that can be solved by space technology. And I'm a firm believer that we already have the technology right now around the world to solve this. We have the sensors, we have the satellite buses, we have the rockets to take them up there. But what I've seen is a reasonably sporadic array of satellites. There's only a number of satellites, less than 10 that have some capacity to detect fires that are orbiting the Earth right now, and that's just not enough. And they're not communicating with each other very well, and they're not giving the information in a real time. So I think it's something that can be done and solved, but we need quite a few satellites, and we need them dedicated to the task. So we've got the infrastructure layer, and then we've got the actual application in the hands of people that need it, Anusha. Yeah, I wanted to tie something about our first competition was about lowering cost of access to space. This is essential in what we see today because technology with Moore's Law, um, all the electronics have shrunk in size. They've become more affordable. Sensors, capabilities that can really give us very accurate detail information that can help us detect fires or other important information about our environment are now available and with the lower cost of access to space, launching these things and creating these constellation of Earth observation satellites is possible. One of the things we do really well at XPRIZE is uh, through our competitions, bring people who are working on different parts of the technology together and integrate their technologies and their research in creating a holistic solution, which is what we need today. We need sensing, we need detection, we need artificial intelligence to be able to take all that data and be able to make very rapid uh, determination of destructive fires and then be able to actually then know where the location is to dispatch the right 
people who can deploy solutions to actually put that fire before it becomes out of control. So it's an integration and bringing ecosystems together. It's a lower barrier of entry for innovators to be able to participate in solving really important challenges. The Mindaroo Fire and Flood Program has put together this really interesting video which actually asks Australian fire chiefs, what do they need to be able to be prepared and resilient to fire? So take a look. Instant detection and accurate location of fires allows us to resource that uh, and the early suppression means that the fires can't grow to a size where they can impact the community and the environment. The size and the geography of the country means that those fires that are not right near where the population are often don't get detected early and therefore they become big and they become problems to put out. During the 2019-2020 season, we had hundreds of incidents that occurred on these these horrendous days and we were ultimately uh, really challenged with a number of these fires that, that happened. This immediate detection piece, but also then the, the monitoring of those incidents as they develop, as they occur over a period of days and weeks, will be transformative and will make things safer. We currently use either, either visual observations from crewed aircraft or through, you know, firefighters on the ground. The opportunity to take those people out of those dangerous situations to achieve these results is really exciting. I think this is an absolute game changer and very, very important for our capability going forward. Rania, I'll, I'll look to you. When you watch that, you realise exactly how unprepared or how little response to fires had changed in decades. I think there was a lot of discussion in Australia about different states and not having communication going each way. What we're really talking about is pulling off a whole new way of looking at resilience. When you were talking to these fire chiefs, was there a common theme? What were you getting from them in terms of understanding what the problems really look like? Look, I think our fire agencies actually do a phenomenal job. The courage that they put in terms of addressing fires and going out on the ground to do that is incredible. And their capability is relatively advanced, but the problem is when the scale and the number of fires is something of similar to the Black Summer fires, it becomes impossible because you really need that integrated and easy response and just the cohesion between states, which you also mentioned. And I think the Royal Commission into the disasters was really highlighting some of those key areas. And the response from those interviews from the fire agencies was really about increased situational awareness and to be able to have that in high resolution and very frequent in near real time. So I think to Adam's point, we can solve for this. There is that capability out there. We just need to uplift it and provide that to our fire agencies. I might just ask Anusha and Adam, actually all of the panel, you mentioned high resolution before. The idea of taking like high resolution in a country this size to be actually looking specifically as opposed to graded quality. There's so many different technologies that are coming together at a time where they're more reliable, more specific, more robust to apply in this context. It almost seems like this kind of perfect storm for want of a better word. Yes. Would you agree that we're at a time where there's a lot to work with? Absolutely. And uh, in some ways, that's what's exciting to us at XPRIZE because we're at a point where individuals have access to 
innovate with a lot of technologies that perhaps in the past were not affordable. And they couldn't even get their hands on it or do what they needed to do in terms of developing the connected system that will bring all these different technologies together. And um, the accuracy and the sensitivity of the technology has increased significantly as well. So I think this gives the innovators who will participate, hopefully from around the globe in this competition, really the opportunity to solve this problem once and for all. I'd like to invite viewers to ask questions of our fantastic panel. There'll be a, a chat section in your humanities registration page. So please bring on the questions. Now's the time. Before we do that, Adam, I wanted to ask you, talking about the application of these technologies to challenges, I think, you know, Gilmore Space is really one of those standout Australian companies and famed for ambition and also weaving together all of those companies that you're working with, but also technologies to solve problems in a new frontier. So I'm just curious, you know, in the time that you've been building Gilmore Space with your team, have you found a knack of kind of finding the technologies to adapt to the challenge? It must be a very creative environment in that sense. Oh, it is. I mean, you're solving problems when you go to space that are really, really hard challenges. And so you have to be flexible and you have to look outside the industry and what everyone else is doing. And you know, Australia is a country that isn't traditionally a space technology company. So we've relied heavily on, you know, oil and gas, mining, aviation, etc., and gotten a lot of really good ideas from them. Um, in terms of satellites, there's a lot of really good technology that's been developed in the universities in Australia. And so we're working with a number of universities. You know, for example, Macquarie University is developing the infrared sensor for our satellite. And so it's a, it's a great ecosystem in Australia to reach out and just look at what different kinds of technology we can use. And I'm quite excited about the opportunity to do something about detecting fires from space. I think one of the biggest problems has been it's not really a no-brainer commercial outcome. And so I think funding is going to be a bit of a challenge. But if you look at, you know, who suffers when there's a fire, governments suffer. And insurance companies certainly suffer. So I think we have to be innovative in looking at financial solutions to the problem as well. I just want to add, Corey, to Adam's point. We might not have in Australia our own satellite capability, but what we're very good at is actually stitching together information, whether it's satellite imagery and working through the different layers. And it's something that we can see in, in some of the technology that fire agencies have access to. The real question is exactly what Anusha said, which is around the accuracy of it and improving the false positive detection of fires and reducing that, which is one of the outcomes that we're hoping for with XPRIZE Wildfire. Absolutely. I think it's essential to be able to make sure that the data is interpreted correctly. So the accuracy is an important part of it, but developing and testing out the software that will actually say this is the location and this is a you know destructive fire versus a safe fire is an important part of this competition and, and an outcome we hope to achieve. We've talked about observing from space. We've talked about this perfect timing of all these so technologies coming to a, a stage of maturity and cost. Who are the people that you want to be applying for the X Prize? How do they go, this is the opportunity for me? Adam, you mentioned university students before. 
You'll have innovators from all different pockets that are experts in technologies. How do they know, watching this webinar, I need to apply for this? There is 16 million Australian dollars up for grabs. What do they look like? So I can tell you from experience that they can be anyone. Uh, They don't need to be experts. They don't need to be working in the technology. We have so many examples in our past competitions of teams who came from the remote backgrounds that you can imagine. We had an oil cleanup competition where a tattoo artist from Las Vegas and a friend who was a dentist decided to enter the competition because they dealt with cleaning ink and other products from water. And uh, they made it all the way to one of our finalists. We had junior high school students who became winners of one of our bonus competitions in our ocean discovery competition and developed technologies to detect underwater robotics that can detect source of a substance back to its origin. And they won $800,000 US dollars. So we've seen this over and over again. What we need is a curious, passionate, excited person who will be able to pull a team together. This is not something that one person will solve. But because they are dedicated and they are passionate about solving this problem, will bring together the resources, the expertise they need and build the team to compete. So if you care about this problem, perhaps someone who's been unfortunately hurt by fires in the past is someone who would be inspired to find a solution and will build a team to come and compete. So anyone out there who is interested, they should go to our website, xprize.org, and go to our wildfire competition and register a team. And I think as well, it's really important to note that XPRIZE is fantastic at matchmaking. So if you're an individual and you have a particular skill set that needs to be coupled with a number of other skills, that is something that XPRIZE is able to do and does very well, um, I might add. So I really do encourage everyone and anyone who is interested and passionate in this XPRIZE wildfire competition to reach out to the team and, and see how they can be teamed with others. Amazing opportunity. We're talking curiosity, passion, expertise, and a little bit of ambition. And we've heard from Adam firsthand about, you know, that moment that was grabbed from, you know, seeing that first X Prize. I want to take a look at part of a documentary that we've been doing with Gilmore Space Technologies, really paints the picture of some of the amazing things that are being done up in the Gold Coast today. Have a look. I'm standing on the manufacturing floor of Gilmore Space Technologies. The Prime Minister has literally just left the building. A chief engineer. He's been introduced to the engineers, the designers and the tradespeople that are putting together the rocket behind me, ready for launch. And he's signed the rocket as a boost of good luck. We're also in town for an update from the founder and chief executive, Adam Gilmore. I think he's a very ambitious man and, you know, I think he's going to see another very ambitious man when he visits the factory. Hello, Prime Minister. Welcome. Adam Gilmore. We've got a really strong depth of technological capability in the company already that's taken us years to develop. So I wanted to give you a fact, Prime Minister, that only 11 nations in the world build orbital vehicles. So when we go to orbit, we'll be the 12th and the difference between the nuclear subs and us we designed this, we made this with no help from anyone else. So yeah. this is you know, world-class, bang your chest no, awesome. technology. One of the things that I've been talking about is a future made in Australia. 
We need to make more things here. We need to be more resilient as an economy here. And what you have as a result of, frankly, the courage of the, the Gilmore brothers who had a vision, invested, took risks, and are now making a difference. Employing 200 people here, but 300 Australian companies benefiting because of the supply chain. So that when this uh, rocket goes into space, it'll carry 300 companies with it who will benefit uh, from that accreditation that will result. I love those short pieces that really do paint the picture of exactly what some ambition, some expertise and corralling a team look like to do some incredible things. So I guess it is analogous to what the, the XPRIZE is doing. One of the things I want to ask and tease out a little bit as we're talking to people that might be considering entering the prize is the technologies. I know there were some of them that were outlined in that first video of the overview but the IoT sensing, have you got a really good picture of what the technology landscape looks like that you're looking to? Or are you wanting people to come to you to say, have you thought about this? So in XPRIZE, we try very hard not to specify any solution and let the innovators come up with a solution. But uh, in general, what we've seen is a combination of robotics, drones, some innovative uh, ways of shaping drones to be able to reach different locations. So there's actually two parts to the competition. One is a detection, which can be from space or in combination with ground-based solutions. And then the other part is putting out the fire and uh, extinction of the fire. So there are two different technologies and there may be actually teams who form around one end of the technology versus the other and come together to win different pockets of the price purse actually. And uh, I think it's important for people to understand what technology is available, but also innovate with them, tweak with them, you know, change them in a way that would be perhaps better, more suitable for the type of environment that we're trying to address. I think there are a lot of synergies between the two tracks, obviously, with the autonomous suppression track. You have that component of detecting fires, but at a much smaller scale, you know, a thousand kilometers, yeah. as opposed to the space-based detection and intelligence track, which is over hundreds of thousands of kilometers. And so there is that component of being able to build algorithms to detect those fires. But really, the space-based detection and intelligence track is mostly around the sensor capability and the algorithms to detect fires. And we know that there are platforms out there, low-Earth orbital platforms out there. That's not the game-changing piece, although to Adam's point, lower cost and more accessible is definitely something that's much needed. But really, we're focusing on the sensor and the algorithm capability. The ability to package the data in small packets so that it can be quickly transferred to the ground and to fire agencies in near real time and high resolution. That's important because it's the near real time that is the biggest challenge of this. A lot of the data is available. The sensing is getting better. It's how can we bring all of it together very quickly to be able to detect and put out the fire before it becomes destructive. That makes me think you need communications technology as well because in our country, for sure, a lot of the fires in very remote locations. So even if we have the data and we can package it, we have to be able to transmit it down to the firefighters and space can do that as well. Adam, I'm just going to ask you a question. I've heard you talk about 
all of the data that is generated after a launch and all of that number crunching and that intelligence that is derived. So it's almost like the business intelligence or the intelligence that's derived from huge amounts of data, whether it's the successful launch of a rocket or it's successfully understanding you know, how to make sense of data generated from all of these sort of observational technologies. It's the same thing. We're just looking in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, look, one of the frontier technologies that's getting proven out now, and even Australian companies have got this technology, is edge computing. And it's a, it's a way of kind of data processing. And, you know, fire detection is a great example because you can look at a, a very large piece of, of land and see, okay, there's a fire there, but it's too small. That's a bigger one. It's got some telltale signs. And the computer will figure out, okay, I'm going to focus on that. That's the data I'm going to transmit down to the firefighters. And it solves a lot of the problems because when you take photos from space, it's gigabytes of data, and you just can't transmit all of that data down. And so things like AI, edge computing, is a way to solve that problem. I think that what Adam says is absolutely important because ultimately, if you can do some of this analysis, even at the point of collection of the data, which is on the satellite itself, you can actually just send the important part of the data, not the entire data to be processed, but just that piece of information that shows potential danger to be able to be processed by the right systems or organization. So a lot of intelligence, I think, in how we process, how we communicate, what we communicate, and what action we take is also part of this competition. I think a a very solid understanding of the space and the environment in space for the space-based detection and intelligence track is crucial. Teams need to really be able to demonstrate that and the difference with other environments In particular, if live testing, since it's not going to be in space, they need to really be able to know what the differences are. You are all doing an excellent job of explaining the opportunity. This is a question from one of the viewers asking to share some perspectives on the importance of narrative and storytelling in engaging innovators and broader community in the missions, in the challenges that you run. So I guess that's part of what we're doing today. But there's a lot of light bulb moments that all need to go off to get someone from looking at space as, you know, something that's cool and aspirational and actually playing a role in being part of the solution. So Adam, I'll invite you as well. But Anusha, the storytelling part through your involvement in the XPRIZE is obviously critical. Yes, I think storytelling is at the heart of what we do because a lot of times we're dealing with very complicated, difficult to explain technologies. And in order to get more people involved and interested, we need to be able to bring the conversation to a level that someone can engage on a personal level. So if we start talking about bits and bytes and the types of protocols we want to use, then we lose the audience. So We need to tell the story of why this is a problem, why it's important to solve, and what will happen once we solve this. What really inspires me, especially about this competition, and I'm so grateful for Mindaroo Foundation and Betty and Moore Foundation and and PG&E, who made this possible. We fundraised for this for four years during COVID because we believe that this is an important competition to launch, and finally we got the support. And why is this now so important is we can actually hopefully at the end of this competition, within a year of this ending of this competition, maybe point out to a region and say, we didn't have any wildfires this year. 
and then point that to one of our XPRIZE teams who actually is on the ground in that location. That proves that we can use these solutions to put an end to destructive wildfires, to save millions, billions of dollars in different parts of the world, to save lives, not only people who live in some of these areas, but also firefighters and make sure that we maximize use of technology and save lives, saves money. And that can be demonstrated in short term. A lot of our prizes, like we have a CO2 extraction competition, it will take years, maybe some decades to show the actual impact. This competition, you can show impact immediately after winning of the competition. I think as well that the role of philanthropies with XPRIZE, Betty and Moore Foundation and, and Mindaroo is really about being able to seed fund where there might not be the opportunity to fund and really fast track that, as Anusha had mentioned earlier. And really, when you have no ulterior motive but to solve a global challenge, a beautiful thing happens in that there are a number of diverse experts who are willing to devote their time and help you achieve your objective. And this is exactly what's happened with XPRIZE Wildfire. We've had a number of different experts feed into the requirements of this. The Australian Space Agency, NASA, all of the fire agencies help to define those requirements of what's needed here. Before we move on to the next question, Adam, I wanted to ask you about the importance of the storytelling. I'm going to say a decent percentage of your job is about storytelling, forging new frontiers. You've got to bring a lot of people along for the journey. How important is that? I think it's really important, especially in Australia, where we need to do a better job of frontier technology. And I think it's important to tell stories about this project as well, because We have seasonal wildfires or bushfires, we call them in Australia. And I've noticed the tendency if we have a couple of years of no bushfires, everybody forgets about the problem, but the problem is still there and it will come back again. So I think storytelling keeps people's minds focused on solving the problem. And to that point, I think what we're going to see are shorter breaks between fire seasons and we'll need to be able to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Australia is facing two El Nino seasons after three seasons of La Nina. And we're expecting all of that green vegetation to cure and become serious fire risk. So this is definitely front of mind for fire agencies. They could expect another two black summer events in the next decade, which is a horrible thought. Not if we're successful. Exactly. (laughs) And that goes to the next question that we've got is, what's involved in entering the XPRIZE wildfire? What can people expect? How do you take the first step? So it's very simple. You go to our website, XPRIZE, X-P-R-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. And you go to wildfire competition and there's a form you fill out, basically your information and, you know, your team members, contact information, very, very simple process. And then once you enter the competition, then we get to the next stage where you specify the idea of your solution. So usually our competitions have multiple stages in evaluation and we sort of have a process of elimination and also process of rewarding the ones that are more advanced than other teams. So initially it's just enter. We're going to come back to you, actually make sure all the teams get information about the rules and understand the rules where we do a lot of hand holdings with the team. The X prize team gets to know the teams who compete 
on a very close, intimate level to make sure that any questions they have are answered, any needs that they have is understood, if they want us to do matchmaking, if they're looking for resources, if they're looking for partnership. So a lot of our job is to make sure the teams are successful and they get what they need. But the first step is very simple. Once they enter, we'll work with them through each step of the competition and tell them what they need to do and make sure they understand the rules and what they need to demonstrate. And hopefully, you know, we'll have amazing solutions that come out of it. One thing about our competition, it's not about one team winning. This problem is not a problem that will be solved by one company. This needs global solutions. This needs innovators from everywhere. And what we've seen in the past is, you know, our top teams, our top 10 or 20 teams even, are very successful in the future, even if they don't win the prize purse. So it's not about winning the prize purse. It's truly demonstrating that you have a solution and XPRIZE provides that platform so people know that you're out there and you have a viable solution. And then whether you win in time to demonstrate your solution for to win the competition, it's secondary. But if you're building something of value and that works, I think you will have a success in making sure that you become part of the global solution sets that people and the governments will use to make sure they prevent bushfires or wildfires. The expressions of interest for the space-based detection and intelligence track end on the 31st of August. So definitely an encouragement to apply for that if teams haven't already And so there are three stages, as Anusha had outlined, for the space-based track. And I think there are four for the autonomous suppression. So the technical document will be the first step that teams will provide after they've applied through expressions of interest. And then there'll be the semifinals, which will happen next year in July, August, and then the finals. So with the autonomous suppression track, there's an extra testing stage. Definitely still time to apply. <laughs> I think you just answered our question from one of the viewers' question was timings for the competition. So 31st of August, you want applications in and then roughly like 12 months to get to the semifinal stage. That's right. And all of the, the guidelines are actually on xprize.org slash wildfire. Yes. There are competition guidelines. There's a PDF document there. It's quite thorough in terms of what teams will be looking to provide and and all of the stages and timing. I think you spoke to some of this before, Anusha. Um, other than the prize money, the other benefits for entering the competition, one you talked about building solutions. Absolutely. I think connecting teams together to build comprehensive solutions is something we're really good at. We actually have sometimes teams who are just individuals coming together and they don't even know how to form a company. So we provide them advice, we connect them with partners we've developed over the years to help them form a company if that's what they need. And the next thing usually the teams need is capital, especially if they're a young team or a university team. So connecting them with sources of capital, investors, people who are working in this area is another thing we do for the team. So whether they win or not, they will be well on their way to create a successful company or solution that will become a player in this marketplace. Adam, I'm going to come to you. I I did notice at Gilmore Space Technologies, there's multiple teams working on different parts of bringing together the the rocket. You've obviously seen team building. You've got a wide variety of employees. Some have come from a traditional skills background, others that have very specialised skills. Anything, as we're talking about forming teams to enter or joining teams, any observations that you have about thinking laterally about how you bring together those skills to create something really important? 
Luckily, space is a technology or an industry that inspires a lot of people. So I think this project's got a really good chance of getting people from lots of different industries to come together. I think it's an interesting problem. I agree with Anusha that, you know, one company is going to be very challenged to provide the whole solution. So it lends itself very well to collaboration. Australia has a lot of problems with bushfires. So I'm pretty optimistic that a team Oz will get together and put a pretty good consortium together. I mean, we're already talking with a number of organisations such as the Rose based in WA that are interested in this and have been interested in bushfire detection for quite a while. So I'm excited about it and I think we're going to get a lot of people from all over the country participating. What I really like about the way XPRIZE outlines their competition is that there are the milestone prizes so that along the way teams can help be, be aided with some funds if they're successful. And you're right, it's not just about the funding, but also the expertise that surrounds XPRIZE and all the number of entrepreneurs and the network that they have but also the opportunities created by live tests and the ability to increase the team's capability and to really solidly test it and be able to understand how they can continue to improve it. Absolutely. I think there's something very powerful about the idea of solving the problems of the world and directing expertise and education and ideas towards that. And I think that's obviously something the XPRIZE does very well. We're coming up to time. I just thought I'd ask each of you final observations and advice for people watching today. Adam, I'll start with you because you're on my right. <laughs> my final observation is I think this is a big challenge that's worthy of people putting their time and effort into this. And I'm very excited about it. And I think we can, we can solve the problem. I think we can save lives, save property, save billions of dollars. I think this is probably the biggest challenge Australia has that can be solved with space technology right now. I double down on what Adam said, but also add to it that global warming and climate change is the most pressing issue we have right now. Wildfires not only on their own, they're byproduct of it, but they're also very destructive in money and lives and, and just property and, and our landscape and biodiversity. But also they contribute to the CO2 problem that we have currently. So we've had so many wildfires that became a significant percentage of contribution to increasing CO2 levels that we have. And on the other side, also they have wide ranging health issues that they create. Just recently, we had the wildfires in Canada also spilling over to east coast of the United States. I mean, the particles that are in the air, especially people who have asthma or breathing problems, this is not a problem that's just contained in the area that the fire occurs. This is something that spreads all over the globe. And being able to solve this, it's definitely possible. As Adam mentioned earlier, the technologies are here. We just need to be smart enough to pull it together, bring it together test it perfectly and make it available to the world. And I think putting an end to this type of problem, it's not easy, but it's not something that's very far away and we can do it, demonstrate it and make it available very quickly. Within grasp. Within grasp, exactly. I think given that it is a global problem, what we're going to see more and more are 
countries that have never experienced fire start to experience fire. And just really the emphasis that it's a responsibility on all of us to really help to solve this problem and that this has to be solved in the next five to ten years. The challenge has been issued. I'd like to wrap up today's discussion and thank Anusha Ansari, who's the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation, Adam Gilmore, CEO of Gilmore Space Technologies, and Rania Poulos, the project manager for Fireshield Mindaroo Foundation. Thank you to all of you for this discussion and your energy, insights, and ideas. And to everyone who's been watching this webinar, go to the website, tell everyone you know, barbecues, kids, teenagers, the more we talk about what the opportunities are to solve real problems with technology, you know, the more we'll realise what I have no doubt is just in our grasp. So thank you to all of you and thank you to everyone watching. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Commercial Disco Podcast, proudly brought to you by CSIRO. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you heard us. For the latest on tech, innovation and public policy, visit innovationoz.com. And stay connected with us on social media to ask questions or suggest future guests. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you an inspired week ahead. <laughs>